book of Luke chapter 12 and uh, verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Then I will say to my soul, Soul, thy as much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that left up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let us bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as I bow in your presence today, and Lord, I just want to thank you for another opportunity that you've given to preach the Word of God. And Lord, I realize that of myself I could do nothing. Lord, I just desire to be a vessel that you would use today. I pray, O God, you would speak to my heart and the hearts of those who will listen. Lord, give me the very words to say. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. Give me physical strength. And I pray that the Lord Jesus will get the glory. Meet the need of every heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you today on the subject of misplaced values. The word value means that which renders anything desirable or useful. Valuable means having real worth, possessing useful qualities. Uh, we think of that that we value, we think of that that is, has real worth uh, to us. You know, I was thinking about this and about what our values are. We talk about people's values. Uh, we're talking about the things that, they, that are worthwhile to them. And probably the, uh, the most valuable thing in, in most people's uh, minds is, uh, is their own life. And I, I think that is indicated by, uh, by the effort that, that we put forth to preserve life. We value life very highly, uh, that uh, we want to live. You know, we have songs today talking about heaven and all the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. Uh, and uh, death is a part of our life that, uh, that we wish one there. Death is unnatural. Uh, that's the reason it is so difficult for us because it, it was, it's an unnatural part of, uh, of life. God made us to live forever. Uh, he didn't make us to die. Sin brought death. And, and, but we value life very much then probably next to life i i guess we value our families uh that uh, uh we place our family's welfare and all at a very high level or at least we ought to i think rightly so and uh, uh then uh you know comes down the line probably uh is uh, the Economic welfare is, is high on the list of most people. It really ought to be low on the list, as we see from the parable here. 
but uh, it is way up there as evidenced in, uh, in the news and all the, uh, the economic situation. And people think about that because they're thinking about their own well-being and happiness and, and uh, their own job security and whatever. Uh, that becomes very important. Value. Well, uh, what should be the most valuable thing? Where should our values be? When I talk about a person's value, uh, at the top of the list ought to be the Lord. You know, uh, because without him, uh, everything else just, uh, you know, has no foundation. It crumbles and falls. Uh, without the Lord, we don't even have life, do we? The Bible said in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him we live and move and have our being. He gives to all life, breath, and all things. Uh, even he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. So without God, uh, you know, nothing can exist. The Lord is the only one. Jehovah means he's a self-existent one. Uh, he doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything, but we do. And we cannot survive without the Lord. And, uh, you know, it's, as we think about our values, and, and it is easy to get our values misplaced. And uh, that's what happens here in the story. The Lord said, take heed and... Beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Now, the tenth commandment was, Thy shall not covet. And here, he said, The life does not consist in what one possesses. You do not measure success according to one's possessions, but in their society, a lot of times that's done. That success is is, uh, you know, how much you make and how, how nice a home you live in and how nice a car you drive. And, and in society, uh, they look at success in this way. But the Lord looks at it differently. He measures success in a different way. And he gives this parable. I heard a preacher preach one time, and, and uh, he said that... Uh, they, you know what, the rich young ruler comes to Christ there and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and uh, he has great riches, and the Lord tells him, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And uh, then uh, in Luke 16, he tells about the rich man died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment. And then the story here in Luke 12, he said that's all the same man. Uh, he's wrong. He's wrong. It's not the same man. And the reason is because this is a parable. And in Luke 16, it is not a parable. Although some try to teach it as a parable, it is not a parable. It is a real story, a real man, a real man named Rich, uh, a real rich man, and a real man named Lazarus. But nevertheless, a parable is teaching a great truth. And he gives this story uh, about uh, uh, this rich man and his ground bringing forth plentifully and his decision uh, about that. He said, I'll, what shall I do? I don't have anywhere to, 
to put all these things. I'll, I don't have sufficient storage capacity, so I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater barns. And I'll say to my soul, so by as much goods later for many years, take thine easy drink and be merry. And I want to say tonight that that man never, he never built one new barn. He had, uh, he had some good intentions. I think you need to adjust this a little bit, Bill. It's a little too loud. Uh, or I'm too loud. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know which. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, uh, he has these intentions. And uh, the covetousness, uh, he was not only covetous at the moment, but it, uh, it governed his decisions for the future. God calls him a fool because he leaves God out of his life. And uh, that night he died and went to hell. Misplaced values. Value is not in fame. In 1 John chapter 2, he talks about love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the, uh, is not of the Father. And he says uh, uh, that uh, uh, the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The pride of life. That's what got our uh, first parents in trouble. That's what brought the first sin upon, uh, you know, in heaven. The first sin uh, on earth was in the Garden of Eden, but the, the, uh, uh, the first sin was committed by the devil. And uh, he said, uh, he wanted, I want to send to heaven, I want to be God. And it was pride that caused him to fall. And the very same sin that the devil caused the devil to fall is the same sin that caused man to fall. And he comes there to Eve, and she saw the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, all three things, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave all sorts of husband with her, and he did eat. But the devil says, you should be as gods, knowing good and evil. If you'll do this, you'll be just like God. And the sin of man is pride. And it's still the, the, the basic uh, sin uh, of the heart. And uh, not many would admit it, but the basic reason that folks are not saved is because they want to be God themselves. They want to be their own little God. I want to run my life. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to be under God's authority. And that's what salvation is, accepting the authority of God in one's heart and life. That I willingly receive Jesus Christ, as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. That I receive Christ. I accept his right of authority. I accept his right to govern and rule. I confess him as Lord. That's what it means. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And many have never done that. They have their name on a church roll, but they've never, they do not have a Lord, and they've never recognized the authority of Jesus Christ. My life is not my own. It belongs to Christ. Doesn't the Bible say that? You're bought with a price. You are not your own. 
we belong to Christ. If we're saved, I can't do what I want to do. I'm God's property. And when I get my values on fame, then I've got it misplaced. In John 12, 43, the Bible said they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. The Queen of Sheba in 2 Chronicles 9 came to see Solomon. Solomon was the son of David by Bathsheba. He followed David to the throne of Israel. Israel enjoyed their greatest splendor and uh, magnificence during the reign of Solomon than they ever have before or since. And Solomon uh, built the temple and offered the great sacrifices there. And Solomon prayed a great prayer to the Lord. And the Lord said, Solomon, ask what I shall do for you. What if you could have anything you wanted today? What would you ask for? If God would say to you, anything you want, it's yours. I give you one question. I give you one request, one wish, anything you want, you can have it. If I had you take a piece of paper and write out, this is what I would ask for. What would you put down? And we gathered all the papers. That might be a good thing to do sometime. Uh, without any prompting to me, <laughs> may not be a good idea after I say what I'm going to say, but before it might, what would you write down? Solomon had that privilege. And he said, Lord, I'm just a child. Great responsibility. I have this nation to look over. I don't know how to do it. Grant me wisdom to lead them in the way. Basically what Solomon's saying is God, give me the wisdom to lead them in the way that you do it. That's what I want. And the Bible said it pleased the Lord. He did not ask for long life. He didn't say, let me live to be 100 years of age. Let me live to be 200 years of age. Make me a rich man. Give me a million dollars. But he said for wisdom, he put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, all these right, and his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. Not only did he get his request of wisdom, but God said because you did that, I'm going to give you a long life and riches too. You didn't ask for them, but I'm going to give them to you just as a fringe benefit. And Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. You only have to read. We've been studying the book of Proverbs on, on uh, Wednesday night. You only have to read that book. Of course, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit but to understand his great wisdom. And uh, the queen of Sheba comes. She, she travels hundreds of miles. She had heard of the fame of, Sol of Solomon, and she asked him hard questions. And when she left, she said, I heard about it, but the half was not told me. He said, it's twice better than I ever imagined. He was a wise man. But in spite of all of his wisdom, he made some bad decisions. 
made some unwise decisions, especially when it comes to women. And that's where many women mess up, you know. Many men mess up, many women mess up. But in the area of faith, and he writes in the book of Ecclesiastes about it, and he said it was all vanity. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. He said, I had it all. I like the book of Ecclesiastes because it describes society. It describes uh, human nature so well. And he writes about it, and he talks about all of his riches and all of his all the achievement and at that time in the time of his reign they were the nation they were the superpower they controlled the world they did he had it all he had the most beautiful wife he shouldn't have had but one but he had a whole bunch <laughs> and uh, he had wealth he had he had everything you could ever want or ever desire and he said the thing to do is fear God and keep his commandments this is the whole duty of man he said that's all of it put God first in your life he said that's that's what really matters when when you come to the end of life and it's time to face eternity that's what really counts but if we're not careful we can get our values off on fame achievement then fortune. Proverbs eleven three said, "Riches profit not in the day of wrath." Someone was questioning another when Howard Hughes at one time was the richest man in the uh, in the world, and they said, "How much did he leave behind?" Asking how many millions or billions or whatever he left behind, he said he left it all. He left it all. And you're going to leave it all. And I'm going to leave it all. Don't get your values on fortune. Someone said their life's ambition was to make a million dollars. When they got the first million, they wanted the second million twice as bad as they wanted the first million. I've already started on my second million. I just gave up on the first. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 4 said, Labor not to be rich. He's simply telling us that's not where your value should be. Don't make that your life's ambition. Accept what God sends your way and use it for the glory of God. It's not a sin to be rich, but it's a sin to desire it. Some people, you read the Bible about people that were rich that were able to serve God and, and love God, but that's the exception, generally, rather than the rule. And Matthew 6, 24 says, You cannot serve God and mammon. Fortune. It's a story here in, in our text. That's the story of this fool here. He had his value on fortune. He saw all these, all the grain. He saw uh, the bountiful crop that had been produced. And he said, well, 
I get all this stored up. I can live off of it. I mean, I can quit work. I can retire. Have you ever noticed about the time people get ready to retire, they die? <laughs> about the time you get to where you can live, it's time to die. Isn't that right? I mean, you get the house paid for and the kids, uh, you know, educated and married or whatever, you know. I think I'm going to live a long time because I can't get mine married, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you get the house paid for and, and uh, you get, you know, you get about to where you can settle back. It's time to leave here. And I think God's trying to tell us something. That that's, don't let that be the purpose of life. And listen, our whole system is governed toward that. When I was in school, they said, get a good education, get a good education, get a good education. And, and that I believe you ought to. We have a Christian school here, and I believe in it. I believe it's very important. But what's the purpose for it? The purpose I was taught, so you can get a good job, so you can make a lot of money, so you can buy the material things of life, and that's the wrong motivation. That's not what life is about. That's not the purpose of life. And so fortunate. Then fashion, keeping up with the Joneses. I remember we were first married and moved to Catawba County. My wife worked with this lady, and her and her husband, they, they hadn't been married long either. We was living in a little ramshackle rental house. You could. You could lay in the bed and feel the air blowing in through the walls. <laughs> but uh, they had a new house, a new car, a new truck, and new furniture. And they were so tight financially that if either one of them missed one day of work, they could not get sick. If, if either one of them missed one day of work, and they get behind on the payment. I'd rather live in a cave than to be under that kind of pressure. And young people today, they, they grow up, and they grow up with misplaced values, and they grow up, I, wanna, I want it now. I don't want to wait for it. I don't want to work 50 years. Mom and Dad did. I want it now. Give it to me now. put all this pressure and all this burden upon themselves and many of the marriages don't survive and that's one of the reasons because they got their values out of order it's not and I've said before if if you're not happy in a mobile home you wouldn't be happy in a mansion I used to live we lived right over here in this mobile home for several years there. Just as happy as theirs I am now. You know. What can you do in a house? Eat, sleep, bathe, and you know, that's, that's all you can do anywhere. 
all you need. Abraham, Abraham was a wealthy man, but he lived in a tent. He lived in a tent. The Bible said he looked for a city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker was God. He got his values in order. He was looking for the next world. He wasn't trying to build an empire here. He was looking for it there. Fashion. First Corinthians seven thirty one. They that use this world is not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passes away. And that's really what motivates a lot of us shopping. Shopping. <laughs> Curse of mankind. You ladies love it, I know that. I've just, uh, I just give up on shopping, gave it over to the women. Uh, I despise to shop. You know, if you want to punish me, just take me shopping. Yeah, I'm, uh, you've been bad, and, and uh, we're going to make you shop, going to send you to the mall, and you're going to shop all day. Oh, how awful. You know, the clothes we're going to wear, I believe our first motivation ought to be the Word of God, you know. What does God say? God says, uh, for ladies, modest apparel, and I think applies to men as well. And uh, that, that ought to be the motivation. But people get their, you know, it's amazing. Folks can get their value on clothes. They're so taken in by, you know, what they wear. I've got to have the latest, you know. I've got to wear the latest thing. I mean, I just wear it till it wears out. I mean, if it's not wore out, wear it. <laughs> some of the, some of my suits are kind of out of date, but I just still wear them. I don't know how long I've had this. It's still good. Fashion, misplaced values, and then favor. Proverbs thirty-one thirty said, "Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain." A matter of peer pressure. Having the acceptance of the world. We talk about young people and the peer pressure they're under. Well, it's not only young people, it's adults as well. Being under the pressure of the world and, and being uh, favored by this world system. Then I want to get to this last point, and that's the flesh. In the book of Psalms, Chapter 39, Psalm 39, verse uh, 4 and 5. He said, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, I have made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man in his best state is altogether vanity. Oh, my. Well, that'll take the pride out of you, won't it? Lord, help me to know who I really am. People trying to find themselves. Maybe this applies to that. I don't know. 
I remember John Rollins talking about picking up a fellow. And uh, he began to talk to him. He said, well, said, uh, I've been trying to find myself. He said, well, I can help you with that. He says, you're right, right here in my car, sitting there, sitting there in the seat. There's, you know, there you are. <laughs> but he, had a, he was talking about something different, I guess. But you know, when you really find yourself, you really find out who you are. You find out you're a sinner. Man, in his best state is altogether vanity. You know, a lot of these TV talk shows now, they're, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, talking about uh, uh, trying to find the blame, why people are like they are, and, and all, you know, society. I mean, they had to, had a, they grew up in the slums, and their mom and dad mistreated them. And trying to blame society and trying to blame parents and trying to blame everybody. I'll tell you where the blame is. Man's a sinner. There's the problem. Man has a sin problem that needs fixing. And until God changes and does a work in a man's heart, he's not going to be any different. There's the problem is sin. Man at his best state is altogether vanity. I think of the story of Esau. In, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 16 and 17, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. You know the story of Esau and Jacob. Uh, they were twin boys. Esau was the firstborn, and uh, they, they uh, looked altogether different. Esau was... Harry, a real, a real Harry like Billy. He's <laughs> uh, Billy says every time you talk about Esau and Jacob, I just know you're going to get me, so I might as well get him. But uh, but they they were twin boys and totally different in appearance and everything else. I mean, Esau was really Harry. He, you know, when I read that story, it's hard for me to imagine how Harry that fellow was. Because when, when, his, when he deceived, or Jacob deceived his father, who was blind at the time, and uh, said, I am Esau, his mother killed uh, uh, the kid of the goats there, killed an animal, and put that animal skin on, uh, on her son's hands there. And he fell of him, and he says, you must be Esau. I mean, he was really hairy, wasn't he? Really bad. I've never seen no one that hairy. And, uh, but, uh, and Jacob was completely different. But the thing about it is their interest. Esau was a real man. I mean, he liked to hunt. He had to be all right. Uh, he was my kind of fellow. Jacob liked to stay around the house and cook. We call him a sissy today. I'm becoming a sissy in my old age here. Uh, but, uh, but Jacob, Jacob, he was crooked. He was deceitful. There's one thing about Jacob, though. He had his values right. He was interested 
in the things of God. And he saw, he cared, he, all he cared about was hunting and having a good time. He cared nothing about eternity and nothing about God. And one day he come in from hun, hunting and uh, Jacob was a cooking and he, he evidently was a good cook. I guess he was. He had learned from his mama. And, and uh, Jacob had some soup going. And Esau, he'd been out hunting. And, you know, you fellows that hunt, you know how that is. I mean, he come in. He was hungry and tired. And, and uh, he smelt that food. And he said, uh, Brother, give me, some, give me some of your pottage. Give me some of your food. And uh, he said, I will for your birthright. He said, take it. Take the old birthright. I care nothing about it. And he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. But time went on. And the years come and went. And now the birthright becomes important. The bowl of soup is forgotten. Time's come time for the blessing. And Jacob steals the blessing. Esau goes in and said, Father, I've got the deer meat. I've got it fixed just like you like it. I've come for the blessing. And Esau was Isaac's favorite. He meant to give him the blessing. And Isaac said, I'm sorry. But your brother's already got it. He's deceived and got it. And Esau begins to weep and cry, Oh, Father, please! He said, I'm sorry, son. The blessing's gone. He sacrificed the eternal on the altar of the immediate. All he was concerned about was his own lustful desires at the time. And when it come time for eternity, the Bible said he found no place of repentance. He waited too late. And there's multitudes today in hell. There's multitudes in the fire that are begging for mercy, and there is none. They're begging for forgiveness, and there is none. Esau lived for the flesh. And it cost him. Moses, on the other hand, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible said when Moses came to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses was nursed by his own mother. You know the story there. He was taken by Pharaoh's daughter, grew up in Pharaoh's palace, educated in, the, in the, the best schools of the day. A man with great wealth, great power, prestige. He had it all. One day he had to make a choice. Am I going to follow this lifestyle and enjoy the benefits of Egypt? Maybe have the place of Pharaoh one day? Am I going to give it all up and identify with a bunch of slaves? He had been born of a slave family himself. What will be my choice? 
He made a choice. He said, I'm going to go with God. Because he looked beyond the temporal. He looked beyond the present life and he looked out into eternity. And he made his decision. You know, I believe every decision that we make ought to be made in the light of eternity. Are your values in order today? Is Jesus Christ at the top of the list? Do you consult him about the decisions of life? You ought to. Where's your values? You know, if you put the Lord first, you don't take away from anything else. If a man will love Jesus, <laughs> he'll love his wife more than if he don't love Jesus. Inviting the wife the same to the husband. Value. Man's life does not consist in what he possesses. Man's life is measured in the light of eternity. And I say, I've said many times before, what I do today will affect me 10,000 years from now, 10 million years from now. What I do today. Well, that puts it in a whole different perspective, don't it? If I can just keep that before me, you know, it'll definitely affect my conduct and what I do for Christ. The fact is, the majority of people live their life without the, the first thought, the first thought, how's this going to affect my eternity? I'm not talking about earning heaven. I'm talking about rewards without giving the first thought. And that truth has driven me on plenty of times when my flesh didn't want to do nothing, especially on soul winning visitation. I would have stayed at the house plenty of times, but I've got a God to meet. <coughs> I've got an accounting day. I want my values to be in order. I don't want to get caught up in this system and bound by this world system. I want to keep my focus on Christ, keep my eyes on Him. And if I do that, everything else will fall in place. Let's bow our heads, please.